Ahoy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 35 of the podcast. This is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, if you enjoy it, if you're already a fan of the show, help us grow it. Uh, think of one person in your life who you think would like it and share your favorite episode with them. Oh man, nice, short, and sweet. We've given up on everything else around here. No more promoting Twitter, no more promoting Instagram, no more promoting anything else other than subscribing if you haven't already, and if you're already a fan, share it. That's easy. Simple directives. Man, thirty uh, episode 35 of the podcast. That's a pretty respectable number. We are deep into double digits here, and... Uh, I don't want to say we're honing in on, or we're even knocking on the door of, but um, I don't know. We're well over halfway through the year, halfway through the first year of the podcast. That's pretty cool. Uh, we're coming up on the end of the school semester for me. Um, got finals coming up, and by the time you and I speak again, I will be finished with finals, and I will be able to tell you how I ended the semester. And of course, I'm shooting for straight A's. And uh, studying my ass off, waking up every day. Uh, I kind of piddle around for about an hour or so, but other than the classes I have scheduled and work, I'm pretty much spending all my time studying, um, which is kind of cool. It's kind of nice to see yourself doing something that, you know, when you're younger, you don't really have the ability to do. You know, you don't have the capacity or the focus or whatever. And to see yourself doing something that used to be so incredibly difficult, it feels pretty, I don't know, I guess you call it self-actualizing, I think is the word that people would use. But um, it's nice. I feel mature. You know, I'm just hoping it pays off. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, I guess I said the same thing I just said to you to my therapist when I spoke to them on Tuesday, which was... You know, by the time I speak to you again, my finals will be behind me, and I'll be able to tell you how I did. I just want to, f- I, so much, I just want to be able to say, like, oh, I got straight A's again. You know, I think I'm coming back to school. I mean, I know I'm a bright guy. I think that's, uh, I don't think I'm uh, being too generous with myself to say that, but for some reason, I'm really invested in having the the mantle of that. Do you know what I mean? I really want to have the grades to demonstrate that. I, you know, I told my girlfriend I'll be applying to one of the UCs here, which is a good school. And if I don't get into that one particular school, I'm going to be fucking devastated. <clears throat> That's going to be very disappointing for me if I don't get in. You know, I already feel like I wasn't. Um, you know, my, you know, I'm already. Um, I'm already on my plan B, and if I can't even execute my plan B uh, to perfection, I'm going to feel very incompetent, I think. Um, yeah, for some reason I'm thinking about I got a text from someone, this guy I used to know, he's a sort of a musical compatriot this week. Um, yeah, you can check him out. I don't know why I shouldn't say his name. His name is Sam Johnson. He's a songwriter. And uh, I think he and I met, he was doing these Facebook Live performances that I think were doing relatively well. And I forget how he and I got in touch, but he reached out to me and asked if I would be a guest on his, I guess, show that he was doing at the time. <clears throat> and he was like, um, you know, a really nice guy, very friendly, and uh, went over to his apartment in San Francisco um, and, uh, you know, did a, a um, you know, a fine broadcast or whatever. And uh, he just kind of, I guess, stayed in touch 
stayed in touch uh, since then. Um, but he texted me the other day, and he and my good buddy Jeff Campbell, who's another great songwriter, you, sh- you should check out, apparently are doing a, another broadcast here in the next couple of weeks, and they asked if I'd be a part of it. And, <clears throat> you know, in the last two years anyway, I've been saying no to a lot of things. Um, e- you know, even as some of the, you know, I was playing some of the biggest shows I've ever played, and, uh, you know, my listening audience online uh, was, you know, bigger than it, you know, had ever been. I was still saying no to a lot of things. Um, You know, a lot of like local musicians would ask me to play shows and stuff and I would just, you know, not be interested. And I'd always decline very politely and usually there was a good reason for it. But, um, but I think this was, I don't know, something about this. Well, I guess I should say this. Yeah. So Sam reached out to me this week and asked me if I would be a part of this thing. And it was the first thing I said no to that, you know, I was very transparent about the answer, which is I said, um, you know, I'm actually shifting my focus away from, from music and using the year to focus on school and reevaluate. And it was the first time I'd ever said that to anyone. And his he was kind of surprised. He was like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. But, you know, thanks for letting me know and all the best, et cetera. But it was the first time I'd ever really said that. And um, I don't know, it was kind of weird to say because it made it real. You know, like sometimes I think, you know, if Matt Nathanson or somebody else reached out to me again and asked me to go on tour, if it meant leaving the school semester or, you know, um, you know, um, you know, having to take a significant amount of time off work or even a deal breaking amount of time off work, you know, would I say yes or would I have the same excuse? Would I say, oh, actually, I'm not doing that anymore. Thank you. You know, or is there something that could come along that would sufficiently pull me away? And, um, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time going over hypotheticals here, but it's just another example of, you know, having, you know, it's easy to say that you're switching your focus when there's really nothing pulling you in the other direction. But if something did come along that was pretty enticing, you know, how would that make me feel? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm already boring myself, honestly. I feel myself going down this road and I feel like, oh, this has nothing to do with how I've been feeling most of the week. How have I been feeling most of the week? Um, studious. Pretty good, actually. My girlfriend had a bir- uh, her birthday over the weekend. Uh, her birthday was on Monday, but, um, you know, I have class most of the day and we kind of wanted to have a, a birthday day. And... You know, I don't really know what's going on in the rest of the state. I think other parts of the country are starting to open things up a little bit, which is a little weird for me. But here in California, things are pretty much closed down. But um, actually, one of my supervisors at work had recommended to me that he went to this beach in San Mateo County called Thornton Beach and said it was a pretty good place to go if you wanted to get away. Um I asked my girlfriend kind of what she wanted to do for her birthday and she's getting a little stir crazy in her apartment. So she was like, I, I want to go out and hit the beach or, or go hiking or something. I want I want to get out into nature. And I was like, okay. So she picked this place called Mavericks Beach, which is also in San Mateo County, just south of, south of Thornton, which my supervisor had told me about. And we head out there and it was pretty perfect. You know, there was not a lot of people out. There were very few people on the beach. There were some families you know, kind of out and about. And there was actually a fair number of surfers who were out. I don't think the surf was that great. We didn't actually see a lot of people up on their boards, but 
um, there was a fair amount of people out in the water just kind of waiting for the waves to come. And it was nice. We went for like a four mile hike just sort of around the beach and in the hills around, around Mavericks. And, uh, and the weird part though is, you know, the, the, the drive down the coast to get there was, was pretty nice. It was cool. It was kind of overcast. It wasn't too hot. And even as we were finishing, instead of just going home, I said, Hey, we should just keep driving down the coast. Just see what it looks like. And the scene was beautiful. You know, when you're driving down there towards Santa Cruz, it's just, it really, you know, it really opens up. You know, sometimes you take these coastal highways and they sort of veer inwards and you're like, I mean, it's really not that great. But all of a sudden you'll like turn a corner, you know, and the view breaks and you just see ocean forever and the the waves are coming in and it's really, it's just really beautiful. And, um, but as we're driving down, and I can't remember the name, I can't remember the names of the cities, but there were these little tourist pockets of restaurants and stuff. And there were these, like one was like a clam chowder place and one was like a fish place. But there are literally a hundred, maybe over a hundred people eating at these restaurants. And they're not like, um, you know, sitting down and dining, but they're just queued up out the door. I guess they're observing social distancing, but it's just, it's just unbelievable to me how many people are waiting to get takeout food from these restaurants. It just feels, I don't know, it feels ominous. And I don't want to be that person who like shames people for what they're doing. Like, you know, I don't know. I guess it bothers me when I see people, especially on social media, posting these. I don't know. They're basically like, you know, telling people to stay home and stuff. And, you know, I agree with that. Sorry. <sighs> I agree with that. But um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to bury people or make them feel bad, but it's not what I want for myself. And so that was a little strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What's up with chowder anyway? I was like, why are there over a hundred people waiting to get chowder? That's never been something I've ever craved. I've never been at home going, damn, you know what? I could go for some chowder, but um, what was it just about to say? Um, dude, man, I don't know. Maybe I just got too much chemistry stuff floating around in my head. Um, I think I was just going to say, actually, you know, since this whole shelter in place started, I think I've gotten takeout once. There's this restaurant in Oakland called Saucy that me and my girlfriend like, and I think we got, you know, to go food from there once. We love this place. The takeout was not that good though. They were doing like a special brunch within the first like week or two of shelter in place. And we did that. It was not great. But um, other than that, I've literally made every meal that I've had. Which you'd think was like healthy. You know what I mean? Like I had a coworker, um, you know, at work who used to have all these pictures of all the workers just kind of around all the walls and stuff. And, and uh, I felt kind of weird doing it, but there was a, a guy that I work with who was, I just sort of, I don't know. I, I don't know if I noticed visually, but I remember seeing him. And then at one point I looked over at the wall and I saw a photo of him when he first started, like in the last year. And he was significantly larger. And when I saw him, I said, Hey man, I don't, you know, I hope you're okay with me doing this, but do you mind if I make an observance about your physical appearance? <laughs> he was like, sure. And I said, I was just looking at this photo of you and you're much, you know, you're, you've, you've clearly lost a lot of weight. And he was like, oh yeah, I just started cooking my own meals. And I was like, oh wow. So what I'm thinking is, man, you'd think the fact that I'm cooking my own meals now would mean I'd be losing weight. 
that is the opposite is taking place. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who was bemoaning that in the last year or two, even they've, they've gained some weight, what they thought was significant, but man, I tell you, man, I don't feel good in my body right now. That's for sure. You know, I'm not saying I'm fat or anything like that. Um, but for me, I just don't feel healthy. You know, I was going to say I got about 10 pounds I need to lose, but dude, it could be like 15 or 20, honestly. I was going to say it's not a vanity thing. Of course it's a vanity thing, but it's really just like in your body. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been, you know, I've talked about being significantly thinner than I am now and feeling unhealthy. You know, I've been like practically emaciated at times in my life. And, you know, I feel like everybody has that ideal body weight that, that they just feel the best at. And a lot of times it's it's usually about five to, ten, ten, five to 10 pounds heavier than your ideal fitness level. Do you know what I mean? Um... But yeah, man, I don't know. Man, the podcast feels like work today. I don't know if it sounds like work, but it certainly feels like work. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm trying, I'm trying not to say what I'm thinking, or I'm trying to think of something else to say other than what I'm thinking, but, um, you know, not the last episode, but the episode before that, obviously I had this huge response to a one-star review we had on the podcast and I hate bringing it up, but, um, not that the, that review itself has stuck with me, but something about, you know, you know, the episode after that was my whole response about, Hey, I'm never going to address uh, criticism again. And, uh, because when you do, it really takes you out of the, the momentum of what you're doing. It sort of pulls you away from the work. So there's, there's nothing, there's no single observation in that review that's sticking with me, or there's nothing substantially, there's nothing substantial in the criticism that's sticking with me, but something about that, literally something about taking a moment to even address it has made me feel more self-conscious. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I feel, I really regret even addressing it because, you know, even as I talk about my girlfriend, even as I talk about things that um, I want to talk about, it's like I've expanded my consciousness to now feel people hearing me and potentially not liking it. Not that it's ever going to change anything that I do, but the fact that I've even, yeah, I've even let them into my headspace. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think it's, you know, you hope you don't have to have this happen too many more times, but I think it's a strong reason why, you know, you should really never look at any criticism or even constructive criticism or even, uh, even good stuff. Like sometimes I've even fantasized about like on your YouTube channel, just disabling comments. Now it can really fuck you up for the algorithm because that's actually a way for the, you know, the YouTube al- al- algorithm to see that people are engaging with the content uh, and help uh, other people see it. But there's something about this idea of like just not letting people rub their stink on your show. Do you know what I mean? Or even on your content. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to censor how people think or feel about the podcast. Like, I, I, I understand you put yourself out there, you open yourself up to criticism, and and it's just it just is the case that not everyone's going to like you. But the fact that you get to like... 
I don't know, that your very personal opinion gets to be attached very visibly to a, a piece of work. I don't know. I don't know why that didn't sit well with me. It it, bo- it bothers me. And I don't know if I I don't know if I addressed it on the critic episode, but I guess it it's kind of sad to me that somebody spends that much time articulating their criticism and it's just a review of your podcast on 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 iTunes or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm obviously a critical person. I sit here and you know I talk about movies I don't like and all that sort of stuff. So it's not criticism criticism that I'm against, but it's there's something latent or there's some sort of conceit when you attach it to an iTunes review or something like that where it's like you want you're you're hoping that this gets communicated to the creator you know what I mean like when you leave a comment under a YouTube video and you're you're addressing the person it's like you want them you want them to see it and that's just a very weird mentality that I just don't have like whether it's Airbnb or um, I mean, I have literally tortured my girlfriend when we've traveled and stayed at Airbnbs. I've literally spent half the time just complaining about the place. I have never once ever left a negative Airbnb review, ever. Like one time, literally, I think it was over, I think it was this last New Year's. <clears throat> we had been traveling before that. We had spent some time in Portland. We had spent some time between Portland and Seattle in Hood River for a couple nights. And we were finishing, we were going to be in Seattle for New Year's Eve. And we had this Airbnb uh, near, I was going to say Knob Hill. Is that, am I getting my cities confused? It's where Numos and stuff is, uh, that kind of cool area of Seattle. I think it's Knob Hill. If it's not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm conflating cities. But um, we stay in this place and it's like an in-law attached to someone's house. And I walk in and the minute I walk in, you know, it's like this, it's like a separate room in a larger house, but we have our own private entrance. And through the door that's connecting the room to the rest of the house, I just hear this beep. And I went, oh shit. Because the minute I hear it, I know exactly what it is. And of course I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, we walk in and say, shh, shh, be quiet. And I wait and I hear the intermittent beep again. I just hear beep about every 45 seconds. And I was like, motherfuck. It was the smoke detector in the house, that was empty, by the way, needing its battery changed. And I said, boo, you need to, you need to call or text them right now and let them know, because if this doesn't get changed, this is going to be going on the entire time that we're here. And my girlfriend could sleep through an earthquake, but I'm like, you know, once I fixate on something, I can't unhear it. You know what I mean? And so I text, I even say, here, give me your phone. I'll text as you, because my girlfriend doesn't want to deal with it. She doesn't like that sort of confrontation or whatever. Um, she's like, oh, I'll just, like she'll, she'd rather just deal with it. Do you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, here, give me your phone. I'll just pretend to be you and I'll be nice about it. And I just let them know. I said, hey, uh, it looks like the battery in the in the unit needs to be changed. And they were like, yeah, we're aware of it. I think we need to get some help because it's in an awkward position or whatever the fuck. And my whole thing is, is like, I don't give a fuck. This is not rocket science. You know, all you need to do is just change the battery. You know, it's insane. I don't understand how people can... It's something so simple and so easy, and it's just been perpetuating. I mean, the way they word it is like, oh, yeah, we're aware of the issue. And I'm like, have you been living with this? How long have you been living with this thing going off? 
<clears throat> and I know it's not my own rant. I mean, Adam Carolla talks about this shit all the time. I mean, if you've been a long-term listener of Loveline or whatever, you know, that's, that's his thing. He talks to people on the radio and he hears the smoke detector going off in the bathroom or in the background and he, he's just beside himself. But I had the exact same attunement, I guess, which is, I don't know how people live with this for that long. And the, you know, my takeaway of it, which my girlfriend fucking hates, you know, when I worked the crisis lines, you know, we just, we, we happen to speak with people who have severe mental illness. They're living with severe mental illness. Some of the most, I don't know, I'm trying not to sound, I don't know, I don't want to say, I'm not trying, trying not to use a pejorative term, but the people who are the most affected, um, and sometimes the least capable of taking care of themselves, a lot of them have the smoke detector going off in the background. And I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but I'm just saying there's some sort of equivalence between seemingly, uh, uh, when I would say people with normal cognitive function and people who have impaired cognitive function and the fact that they can live in a space, a very small space usually, where this intermittent beeping is going on that, by the way, there's some governing body has decided about this beep. Hmm, we need to make this loud and frequent enough that nobody could live with this sound. You know, and they had a board of people who probably heard it and said, oh, no, that has to be louder. People could, it's like when they make a parking ticket or they make a fine for a parking ticket, they think, what's a sufficient amount where we, that we could um, deter people's parking illegally like we want illegal parking to stop we can't it can't be five thousand dollars that's just not going to work but it has to be sufficiently detrimental that no that people want to avoid it you know and that was the reasoning that was brought to the intermittent smoke detector beep do you know what i mean they're like this thing has to be so loud and so frequent that no no sane person could live with, with with the annoyance caused by this beeping and yet people do it all the time you know, and I guess it just, you get used to it, it fades in the background. But my thing is, like, it's not just like a suitcase that you leave by the door. Like, when I toured or when I travel with my girlfriend, if I, if I come home and I have a suitcase, and I usually just have, like, one carry-on, I'll just, like, leave it by the door when I walk in. Do you know what I'm saying? And, but if I don't unpack that bag within 24 hours, it's going to be there for two months. You know, and that's just because it, 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 now it is part of the scenery. But that makes sense. That's just a single object that I can walk around. When that person goes to bed every night, the beeping is going on. I don't know how you acclimate to it. I'm not, you know, I guess I am saying it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying you can decide for yourself what that says about you, but I'm saying it says something. Um, I mean, the, the entire time we were there, I had to have earplugs in. And I was, I was, I don't know what came over me, but even on the drive up that day, I started feeling sick. I couldn't even go out that night for midnight. My girlfriend had to go out and, and see the ball drop with friends and stuff. I was just in bed the entire time with earplugs, which I can never take out because of this intermittent beeping. It was one of the worst stays I've ever had at any kind of hotel or, um, um, I don't know. I don't even know the word for it. I was going to say like a abode or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? At some hotel or whatever. It was the worst vacation stay I've ever had in my life. Even then, I did not leave a negative review. <sighs> Even though I had every right to, because I just thought, who gives a fuck? I don't want to fuck with this person's money. You know, yeah, it was a bad experience. Well, that'll teach me. You know, 
It, it, it's just it's it's part of part of what you sign up for. You I mean there's no guarantees in life. Do I think the owner's an idiot? Yes. Do I think that they're nearly reptilian for being able to live in a space where this thing is going on? Yes. Are they wildly incompetent for not having this taken care of for somebody who's paid the money to stay in their in their place? Yes. And even after it being brought to their attention, are they subhuman for not getting on it immediately because they didn't feel the sting of shame of thinking, oh, wow, this person's paying me money and they're having to have a horrible stay in the place because I simply don't know. I'm so incompetent, I can't change the battery in, in my smoke detector? Yes. And even then, I did not leave a negative review of them. Anyway, I don't know what to say exactly. I guess I'm trying to go back to this idea, and I think I think this is actually coming up for me just now, because I was literally just, as I was like working through this old exam that we took in chemistry as part of for, you know reviewing for the cumulative final, I had uh, the Your Mom's House podcast in the background. And it was the episode with the comedian Bobby Lee and what's his wife's name? It's like Kayla or Kaylani or something like that. But they were, she was talking about this experience she had where somebody had made this, I don't know, I guess I'd written like a critical article of her that was like trending on Reddit and it like made her sick for like a week or whatever. But as they explored it, they realized this guy was like an aspiring comedian and was really trying to use their name as traction to like promote his own material or whatever. And... Um, uh, Christina, the co-host of your mom's house podcast made this observation that reminded me of something I had said in my, uh, I guess, survey of, of the, the critic episode, um, which was that, you know, this person likes you, you know, they're a fan of your work, or even if they don't like you, there's something about their, um, interest in your work that they love or something like that. But what I think what I was trying to say and I think I'm hearing that through the prism of what I experienced, but it's what I was trying to say about a person who listens to 36 hours of your podcast and then writes a review just dismantling it. You think, who in their right mind listens to 36 hours of a podcast they don't like? And my point was that you love this podcast. Even if you hate it, you love hating it. Because people who just don't like something, avoid it. There's shows I hate. I don't watch them. You know, like, uh, I, you know, uh, th- this person in the review mentioned uh, Kardashians, which, you know, basically they, they're, they're sort of, uh, they, they're bastard, bastardizing my own point, which is, you know, even if you watch a show that's garbage and you talk shit about it, but you watch it, you don't get to have both. You know, you like it. Even if it's garbage, you like it. Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point, but, um, <sighs> Yeah, do I wish this was a non-issue for me? Yes. Do I wish it was not coming up again? Yes. Do I wish I was talking about something else? Yes. But this is the Stream of Consciousness podcast, man. And you know what we do here, dude. If it comes up, it comes up for a reason. But I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, sometimes I'm doing the podcast and I even hear, or I think about what this podcast sounds to somebody who's, sounds like to somebody who's hearing it and my skin fucking crawls. Do you know what I mean? But that's what we do, man. 
we just fire up the mics and go. And sometimes it sucks, and sometimes it's fucking awesome. But you just you know you just keep swinging for the fences, and you put it up no matter what it is. If it's bad, it's up. If it's if it's if it's great, it's up. If it's maudlin and mediocre, <clears throat> it's up. We just gotta trust the process. You know what I mean? I will say that I do have a little podcast envy though. When I when, like when I listen to like your mom's house or whatever, and they got this whole community of people who are like providing them with content, and they have all these inside jokes, and they're like watching clips from the internet, and they're laughing, and I'm I'm laughing and loving it. I just think, damn, I wish I could do something like that. You know what I mean? I wish that was my podcast. Not that I want to do that podcast exactly, and not like I mean I think on maybe it was even the last of, at, last episode I was talking about you know, the art you create being different than the art you consume. And I was saying like, oh, I listen to a lot of jazz, but if I tried to make like a, a jazz tune, it just wouldn't be my voice. Um, like there's podcasts I love watching that I wish, oh, I wish I did something like that, but it's not really my voice. You know, like being super crude and watching crude videos and um, all this scatological humor that happens on your mom's house. I enjoy watching it. I've, I, dude, I, I fucking crack up every time I listen to it or watch it on YouTube, but it's not my voice. You know what I mean? And even though there's a part of me that knows that that's what I'm cultivating, you know, by doing these hundred episodes or whatever, I'm just talking with no guests. You know, I do look forward to a time where I feel, I don't know when I can start to play with it. Do you know what I mean? Cause right now it's like I've said, the goal is just like getting through it and putting it up. But I don't know. I wish I could flash, flash forward to four years and see what we're doing. But I don't know, trying to do new stuff right now just feels kind of forced. Like, I think after I did like the first like 20 episodes or something like that, I downloaded this app, which was like a soundboard. And I was like, kind of starting to fuck with it and like putting sounds in there that I thought were funny or whatever. But then I thought, this kind of has to happen organically. Like, I don't want to just like drop this thing in. Like, I think that's just going to have to happen as more people listen to the podcast and I get more feedback, you know? Yeah... Like, for some reason, I was thinking, like, years ago, this was, like, MySpace era, but it's, like, there was this thing, if you were, like, a, an established musician on your website, you might have a message board or a discussion board, um, you know, before Facebook comments and all that sort of shit. Big bands would have, like, discussion boards on their websites where their fans could get together and talk, and they'd either talk about the artist or they'd talk about shared interests, and there would be, like, a community of people you know, and part of being a legitimate artist would be having a community of people who use your website as a way to communicate. Or even it would be like an unofficial website. Like Radiohead had an unofficial website called Addie's Web. I don't even know if it's still up. Maybe we could Google it right now. But um, that was like the discussion board slash message board for fans of Radiohead. Do you know what I mean? But that was part of the totem of being a successful artist was you had a community of people, an active community of people. Um, who were congregating over your, you know, creative body of work or whatever. But, um, but it would be so sad when you would see like brand new artists, like people like myself who would have these websites and they wanted all the accoutrements, you know, all the accoutrements of, of, of a successful artist that were just, that were just nothing. They were just hollow and empty. Like, 
you used to be able to like, you know, install this code or inject this code into your website where, you know, you would have a message board that was hosted by just by some whatever the fuck. And you would have like, you would see people with these different like rooms, like general discussion or whatever, and nobody would be using it. Do you know what I mean? It would just be a discussion board with nothing on it. And you think, why do you even have this? Why don't you wait till the man or the, uh, is that the word? The mandate? No, what's the word? The demand. (laughs) Why don't you wait till the demand justifies you getting this? Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you just have this and it's empty, it's sad. So I don't know. I was thinking about that with the soundboard. I was like, you can't just fucking do this thing, man. It has to happen organically. I will say that the weather's been gray recently and I actually really like it. Um, Like I'm, you know, I've talked about my whole seasonal effective thing. You know, normally I get sad when the weather is bad, but there's something about being stuck inside all the time now with the shelter in place that when it's sunny, I actually feel worse because I'm like, shit. Like I'm, I feel ashamed of being inside. It's like not once it's rainy or whatever, which is something we've had over the last week, I feel justified. You know, because if it's just sunny outside and I'm stuck inside, I feel lazy. And also, and I think it has something to do with like not being really comfortable in your body or whatever, but it's like, I don't like going out now. I don't like being observed. I even felt self-conscious. Um, and <laughs> Dude, what the fuck did we talk about on this podcast? We were talking about my girlfriend's birthday, and then I don't know what the fuck we were talking about the rest of the time. I don't even know if I finished that fucking story. Um, well, just to wrap up, because I'm thinking about it. You know, we were driving around, driving down the coast, drove through Santa Cruz, and fucking drove back up to the Bay Area. Made dinner, had a good time. Oh, shit, I gave my girlfriend a haircut. Okay, dude, there's so many fucking things going on here. Let me Let me finish up what I was just saying, which was... I, you know, on Monday night, you know, I only had half the day because I had class during the day, but we had some dinner at my girlfriend's place, but she invited a bunch of friends to, um, um, to sort of congregate in this like Google chat, you know, like everyone's using zoom and shit, but for whatever reason we were using this Google chat she had like six of her friends join us. And there's even, I think Google hosts it actually, but it's like this puzzle thing. Like you can create a puzzle and invite people to work on it with you. And you guys are doing like a digital puzzle together. But even being seen by her friends who I hadn't seen in a while, I just like, I felt self-conscious, you know? And that was weird. I felt really lame. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yes, no, I gave my girlfriend a haircut. Yeah, she's fucking nuts, man. You know, your boy's bald, so I just like shaved my head with the clippers. But um, for a while now, my girlfriend's been thinking about an undershave. You know what that is? It's like, Sometimes they're like fucking hyper aggressive. Like a girl will have long hair and she'll just like shave the side of her head, you know, or shave under her hair. So if you lift it up, you see that it's like shaved underneath, but with the hair down, it looks normal. She wanted something like that. And she wanted it kind of small and subtle in the back. So it wasn't like a super, you know, it wasn't a super fucking uh, aggressive thing. You know, she works in a relatively conservative office environment. And, uh, and also she's just kind of a conservative type person, you know if it was like too aggressive or cool, you know, it wouldn't really fit her aesthetic. Do you know what I mean? 
But um, she was like texting her friends about it and like sending them photos from magazines and like, oh, this is, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And nobody was really getting behind it. You know, like no one was really evangelical about it. Everyone was just kind of going like, oh yeah, well, okay. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, it was literally like 10 o'clock at night or something. You know, we had done our whole day of like going to the beach and having dinner and we're just kind of laying there probably getting ready to watch TV or something. And she's talking about it. And I was just looking at her like, it sounds to me like you just want permission to do it. You know, she kind of thought about it. She was like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, let's just do it. You know, and, and I was scared about cutting her hair. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, damn, I really don't want to fuck this up, you know? But at the same time, I was like, you, you want permission to do this. It's something you clearly want to do. Let's just do it. You know, and either it's going to be awesome, which is great. Like you're going to like it and that'll be a good thing or it'll be awful. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy living with a shitty haircut, but at least we'll always be able to laugh about the time that I tried to cut your hair in quarantine. You know, hey, remember that time I fucked your head up? And how dumb are you? How dumb? How dumb are you to let me try to do that? Um, at least we'd get a story out of it. And she was like, okay. So I literally spent like an hour, like we don't have all the tools, you know, like we looked up some YouTube videos and people have these special combs with like the wire point so they can like get a perfect part in the back of their head. We don't have any of that shit. I just have my clippers, which are not very good. And uh, I grab a fucking chopstick to do the same thing, you know, and so I'm like trying to like tease out this part in the back of her head and I literally spend like an hour like, okay, let me do that. Let me do that. Okay. You have a look at it. She's like, oh, it's a, it looks a little, looks a little higher here or whatever. And after an hour, she just goes, okay. And I was like, okay, I think this is the best we can do. It looks pretty good to me. And she looks and she goes, okay, yeah, it looks pretty good. And I go, here we go. And I fire up the clippers and I just fucking shave that shit off. And I was worried at first, man. I had these like shitty target clippers, which is like, like I think if you were a professional hairstylist, you would just go without the guard and like line it up, just like carve your line. And then you could like shave down. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to picture this shit. Um, but let's just say I didn't have the right tools for the job. And so like, as we're doing, I'm like, babe, this is about as close for the length that she wanted the shave to be that I was, I was like, this is as close as I can get it. I, I would be scared to go any closer, but it looked pretty good. And we like left it for the night. And then I actually cleaned it up the next morning after breakfast. But, um, man, I'm glad we did that. I'm glad she did it too. I'm glad that it turned out well which is a fucking relief. I'm glad I didn't fuck her head up. But I was even telling her, I said, yeah, I'm really proud of you. I'm glad you did it, you know? Even if it fucked up, I, I probably would have said the same thing, but it's like, I guess as we were kind of checking in about, it, she's still waiting. She, like, we took some photos and she had like sent it to her friends and and she was saying that nobody told her that it was looked good. And that was kind of sitting with her. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I I know what that's like. I mean, I'm sure I, 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 I've had that thought about creative projects too. Like you say, oh, I have this record and people go, oh, there you go. <laughs> but nobody says, oh, that's great. And like, oh, I have this thing and people go, oh yeah, there's that. But of course you want people to go, oh my God, dude, it's great. I listened to your record and it's awesome. And I'm not saying you, you, you know, you break down in tears when nobody says that, but it, you, you definitely fucking notice, you know? And so here she did this kind of vulnerable thing, especially for females, you know, for guys, it's like, if, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, of course guys are going to have feelings about it, but I think it's probably observably true that if a guy got a bad haircut, he'd be like, eh, well, it'll grow out, you know, but that shit is heavier for girls. 
Like, I guess what I'm saying is when you watch these like Instagram videos of somebody who accidentally shaves off their eyebrows, it makes sense to me that the ladies often burst into tears and guys are like laughing. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just more room for guys to like do something like that. And there's just not as much currency in their look. Do you know what I'm saying? Like their guy friends are just going to laugh at it, you know, but like for females, like a lot of times they're, and it's not their fault. It's the fucking patriarchy that does it, but it's like their looks are their currency, you know? And, and they're, you know, if you shave off an eyebrow, your stocks diminish, you know what I'm saying? Your currency diminishes as far as you feel. And, uh, you know, if she had, if I had fucked her head up, that would have been hard for her to live with, but it looks good. And I wouldn't just say that it really does look good. And, uh, but she hadn't really, I don't know. Nobody had really given it up to her, but I was just trying, as we were talking about it on Monday, I was just saying, you know, I'm really glad that you did it because it scared you. Like she was not sure about it, even as we did it, you know? And I almost regretted saying it, but even right before it, I like triple, double doggy checked with her to make sure that she wanted to do this. You know, are you sure? Are you very, very sure? I wish we, I mean, I would, I don't know. I guess I'm glad we went through it, but I'm, I, I guess I regret giving her the opportunity to say no, but she didn't. So good on her. But, um, yeah. And I don't know. I'm not trying to force this connection. I don't think, but. It probably has something to do with the podcast also, which is even if it sucked, there's still an accomplishment in doing it. You know, even if it was a fucked up haircut, the part that I'm proud about is that you're standing on the threshold of something, not that you think you should do, not something that people want you to do. I mean, ostensibly nobody wants you to do it, right? Like nobody's saying, oh my God, that's a great idea. Oh, you would look so good with that. In a way, you have no... You have no sign that this is a good idea other than you genuinely want to do it. You know, and that's a hard place to be in. Because even though we like to pretend, like everybody likes to think that they trust their own gut or that they do what they want in life, nobody fucking does. Nobody does that. Almost everybody, all the time, does something for social acceptance, social celebration, for some kind of um, tangible reward, either a feeling or, uh, or or literally a tangible reward. Very rarely do people do something because they want to, other than like fucking crazy people. Like I'm going to kill you because I want to, right? And I don't and I don't care about the consequences. That's not what I'm talking about. I think there is definitely a bravery and a courage to saying I want to do X, and you actually soliciting other people's advice. And again, barring any sort of uh, maladaptive or antisocial thing where people are not encouraging you, it's a relatively harmless thing, but people aren't really giving it up to you, but you feel, I don't know, called to do it, for lack of a better word. When you push, when you go through with it anyway, that's a, that's a fucking accomplishment. Do you know what I mean? And even if it fails, like what's the saying? They say, if you fail, fail faster. What's the way? What's the phrase? okay, you failed, fail again, but fail faster or some shit like that. I don't know what it is, but you know, the point is, is like, you know, you got to keep going. You failed at that. Okay. Fail again. Cause you string enough of those together. Then you have success. And I don't know. I just don't want to be that person in my life. who's standing off to the side with my arms folded saying, well, they shouldn't have done that. 
And I get it, dude. I kind of sound like a hypocrite because I'm like, of course I talk about, you know, I have criticism on the podcast. I talk about movies I don't like. But that's part of my shit. That's part of the thing that I'm making. Do you know what I mean? That's part of my body of work. I'm weaving that into my body of work. You know, I'm not just appending it to your shit. I'm not just coming into, you know, I'm not just coming into your house and fucking rubbing my stink on your shit. I'm fucking, I'm critiquing you from my own platform. Do you know what I mean? You know, so good for you, boo. You gave, you know, I gave you an undershade, but you pushed through it. You, you let it happen, you know, and it's something that you really wanted and you look good. So good for you. And so, yes, am I trying to, am I trying to celebrate myself at the same time? Absolutely. Dude, this podcast is my undershave. Dude, this is the undershave podcast. It's something I want to do that not a lot of people are encouraging me to do. And apparently some of you fucking hate it. Now, for those of you that hate it, should definitely fucking do something else with your time and your life. But yet you insist, you insist on listening. So, okay. But, uh, stretch. Oh, stretch. Dude, that's a stretch for all the haters. I don't even give a fuck about you haters, dude. I'm just straight up stretching on the podcast and having you, having you listen to it. Oh, I'm relaxing in front of my haters, dude. Relaxing for the haters. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't fucking know, folks. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know where the wind blows when it snows, when the wind blows. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Damn, dude, I'm just dropping the fucking jingles on you guys. You're so lucky. Dude, I'm just blessing you with this gift that I got. You know what I'm saying? Wow. <sighs> you know, sometimes you show up for this podcast and you think it's just going to be a humdrum episode, dude, and then I just drop the fucking heat on you guys, and you're like, blessed! Blessed! <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Oh, man, what a gift for you guys. Wow. Jeez. So generous. Such a generous host. Oh, man. You know, it's funny, normally when I'm in school, I don't read, but for whatever reason, I started reading Dubliners by James Joyce again. <clears throat> and I don't know why exactly. Y'all know I was doing that huge Dostoevsky, well, really Russian literature kick for like the last like two years, but before school started, I was just plowing through Dostoevsky, and I've read nearly everything except, you know, I've read the first 100 pages of The Adolescent, and uh, I haven't read Brothers Karamazov, but I read, I've read everything else. And so, as the summer comes up, me and my brother, in the past... I was going to say every summer, but the truth is we have it. But in the past, we've done this thing where we read one big-ass book every summer. And the first year was Infinite Jest. We tried Ulysses, also by James Joyce, and abandoned it. And recently we did War and Peace. And I, and I actually, are, you know, our MVP of the podcast, Matt Evans, joined us for War and Peace also. And both those motherfuckers didn't finish it. So, But your boy did. And uh, I don't know. I was thinking maybe of, I guess I was going to read Brothers Karamazov this summer. Maybe in some recess of my mind, I was actually considering doing Ulysses. Maybe that's why I picked up Dubliners. Actually, it was probably also because it's short stories. You know, when I'm in school, I don't have the patience to read 
But um, maybe I thought, oh, reading short stories is fine. I'll just like read one or two before bed. And they're actually really short in Dubliners. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, I've, I've been able to read those. And it's fucking fascinating. I'll literally read each one like three times, you know. And I think I've only read like the first five. But it's like before bed and actually having trouble going to sleep. You know, I'll read one of the stories and I'll kind of think about it for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I'll read it again. And I'll think about it for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then sometimes I try to poke around online and see if there's anything that anybody, anybody, anybody has anything thoughtfully written about this short story. And do there's fucking nothing. Now, I'm not saying it's not out there. But you know how you fucking do with Google. You'll like search something and if it's not on the first two pages, you just assume it doesn't exist. But the thing about search engine optimization or SEO or whatever means when you Google a short story by... James Joyce, the only thing you fucking see are cliff notes and spark notes. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the official websites like, you know, that are targeted at students who didn't read the story and they want to give them just the broad strokes of it. And you read some of these websites and it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> you know, like when I was younger, I don't think I realized this, but as an adult, especially you realize that most of the quote trusted sources, even something like cliff notes or spark notes, like they get a lot of shit wrong. You know, like, even Encyclopedia Britannica's and all these published stuff, like, they're supposed to be fact-checkers and stuff, but those things are riddled with nonsense. And uh, it's like when you read, like, some sort of survey of a story like The Sisters or something from Dubliners, you'll read this sort of summary or something, or and, you know, they'll try to articulate the themes or something. Like, you know, every English chorus has these words or whatever that don't even apply to the fucking story, but I guess people Google things like epiphany, you know, or imagery or symbolism or whatever the fuck. And you read these sort of summaries about these things and you go, I think they got that totally fucking wrong. But, uh, where am I going with all this? Um, yeah. Hmm. What's the deeper meaning for Dubliners and why is it coming up now? I don't know. These stories are fascinating. It's weird that you can, you know, I've read Dubliners maybe like three other times in my life. And you think you understand something, but it's like every time you, t- you know, you come back to something after f- five or 10 years or something, it's like you really do see it in a completely different way. You know, like until you've reached a certain age, there's some things that are just not accessible to you, you know, like, well, I guess I'll just say my point first. And then actually there's some other stuff that's coming up for me about this, but I will literally read these stories. Like one of them is after the race, which is basically a story. The narrative of the story is it takes place in, and all these stories take place around Dublin, but there's some sort of race, this car race that's happening. And it's these sort of wealthy people, two Frenchmen and Englishmen, or is that true? And an Irishman. But the point is, is that these are sort of like wealthy younger people who have all these prospects and stuff. And they're like racing cars, through Dublin as part of this race. And after the race, they get together and have dinner. And one of the sort of aspiring socialites who comes from some privilege, but is trying to aspire to be as wealthy as his friends. It's like he, he can't keep up with the social lifestyle that they're living. And he like loses all his money gambling in the course of the evening. And as I'm reading this story, it's like really hitting me. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it, like it never hit me before. And I'm like, I read this story who knows how many times and I never even thought about it. You know what I mean? Like it never even registered for me. It must've just washed over me the last couple of times I've read it. But as I'm reading it now, it's like the 
Literally, the relief of the story, the architecture of the story is completely different for me. You know, or a story, like the opening story of Dubliners is called The Sisters. And it just very subtly articulates a relationship of like a young boy and a priest in the neighborhood who's died. And um, it just, the, the entire tension or the drive of the story just rests on this subtle mystery about the, the, the priest who died, what may have been going on with him. And everything's inferred just how people talk about him. You know, and he visits the home, he visits the body of the priest in his home, and it's just like people sitting around talking about him. And you're like, of, of course this story never stuck with me. It's too subtle. Do you know what I mean? It just sort of washes over you when you're younger. But when you read it as an adult, you're like, I don't know. It's like entering an entire new fucking world. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes I've talked about chess this way, which is the cool thing about chess is it's everything's, everything's, vis- everything's right there. Everything's in plain sight. Do you know? It's not like... You know, a book is linear. You have to read the beginning before you get to the end. Um, Video games are linear. You know, you have to play through them. And I assume, I guess a lot of other games are this way. I I can't really think of too many right now. But uh, many games unfold. But chess is there all the time. I mean, the the position is dynamic. But every time the position is in front of you, it's anything in the position is equally observable to, to both players playing. And it's really a game about who can see deeper into the position. You know, we're both, there's no, it's not like Scrabble where you don't know what letters I have or poker where you can't see my cards. We're both looking at the exact same landscape and who, who can see deeper into it, who can navigate it better, you know? And so it's like entering into something, but I guess what I'm saying is as you get better at chess, you can look at the same positions and you see deeper into them. You can calculate more lines. You've, you know, you've uh, you've seen this position enough times that you know the moves that typically come before and after it. Do you know what I mean? There's something about sto- short stories or anything, really, any piece of literature that's that way, which is, you know, you get older, you experience more, you bring more to the material, and you... The, the actual structure looks completely different. Details that you maybe thought were important before recede into the background. Things that were subtle and unobserved before sort of leap to the front. You know, and so it's like that's what I think that's what I mean by the literal relief of the story changes, and it's like eating something completely different. It's like having a more nuanced palate, and like you like when you're just starting to drink wine or something, and you just go, "Oh, well, that's red and wet," or "That's white wine, yeah, it's sweet or not sweet or whatever, dry, undry." But people who have a developed palate, they can tell you. First of all, it's fucking bullshit, but (laughs) I think a lot of it is bullshit, but. You know, they'll say crazy ass things to you like, oh, it's a little bit of a, a little pencil lady with a, with a woody finish and oh, just the faintest hint of, mm, yeah, fresh, t- like, what do they call it? Like tennis balls? Hmm, like a, like a fresh can of tennis balls. And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, people. <sighs> yeah, pencil lead. My half brother who makes wine said that one time and it always stuck with me. I was like, really? Oh, there's the faintest hint of pencil lead. Okay. Scrumptious. More of the same, please. More pencil lead. More fresh tennis balls, if you will. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe as you get older, you have a more refined palate for, for literature. Right, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's the goal, anyway, right? Um, how else is this? I was saying this is bringing up other stuff for me. Something about... 
Yeah, I don't know. In my online psych class, we have to do these things where we, um, you know, part of our online course is we have to do this reading and we have to have a weekly discussion about it. And there's, uh, you know, not that this stuff is relevant, but um, it's just part of what you learn when you take psychology, but you learn about these different theories of psychology. You know, you have like Freud and Erickson and whatever, and Piaget or whatever, but you have uh, Lawrence Kohlberg who came up with this system of moral development that was sort of, had a lot of, yeah, I don't know, it was just really meant to complement Piaget's model of cognitive development or whatever. And I'm not saying it's real, but the thing I was sort of inferring, I guess, from this model, and as I was thinking about it, is, you know, there's three levels of six stages of moral development. And at first, you know, your moral reasoning is very egocentric. You want what you want, and you, your system of thinking is centered around how do I get what I want while maintaining a, the the veneer of, a, of being obedient to the social construct or whatever. And then as you get older, you understand how society works, and you're sort of an apprentice citizen, or you're starting to understand the social contract and what, quote, good, and, and good girls and nice boys do in life, and that becomes your system of thinking. But by the end of it, you develop a, like a universal code of, of moral ethics, or whatever you want to call it, which is, it's based on your self-reflection. It's not imposed on you from the outside, although that, that certainly informs it. But you develop a set of ideals that are really predicated on your self-reflection, do you know? And, and sometimes those are religious ideals, but there's a nuance there, which, some, which sometimes is counter to the social contract, do you know? Like you, you begin to develop a level of nuanced reasoning where, you know, it's not just what society says is good. You, you actually accept that at times the moral right goes against the social order, do you know what I mean? But it was just this idea that it is fundamentally predicated on self-reflection and experience. And I think part of what I was saying, because I'm, I'm, I, it's hard to know online, but if, if this class is like my other classes, I'm one of, one of the oldest. But as part of our response to this question, you had to sort of evaluate yourself, like where am I on this level? <clears throat> and I think I was trying to make this point was, even though I, I put myself in the final category, um, and I think a lot of people will, my argument for why I placed myself there was really based on my age, because I'm like 34. Um, and I was just, I guess I was opening the question to the class is, you know, is it possible for somebody who hasn't reached a certain age to enter this arena? Do they have the, not only the capacity to self-reflect, but do they even have the cumulative experience for that reflection to be meaningful? Do you know what I mean? Because I think any, anyone who goes through life understands that as you get older, you, your mind enters arena of thinking you never could have foreseen. You know, I mean, as I get older, the self-certainty of youth is just more and more humorous to me and funny. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just mean people who seem so certain of what the truth is and what life is and why life works the way it works. You just think they have no idea what, they, you know, they're not dumb. I mean, sometimes they happen to be dumb also, but, it, you know, they're not dumb. They're just, they literally just don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's a, it's a type of ignorance, you know, and not in a heavy handed sort of way. It just is a type of ignorance. And you just think, I mean, you just reflect on your own experience. If you had asked me at 15 what being 30 was going to feel like, I would have been completely fucking wrong, you know? And there's so many twists and turns along the way. And if you're doing it right, you let the experience shape you in it. And, you know, your consciousness gets raised. And by the time you're 34, your, your mind is literally in a completely different place than you ever could have foreseen coming. 
Um, and so I think that's what I was trying to say, you know, is it even possible for somebody who hasn't had a, you know, a, a, I don't know what the number is, but a base number of these sorts of sea change or, um, fundamental shifts in your perspective over the course of their life to even, are they even capable of this level of moral reasoning? Do you know what I'm saying? And in a roundabout way, it actually reminded me of this quote from Confucius. And I actually kind of want to grab it now. Let me do that. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to grab my book. All right, all right. Now, I may or may not edit that out, but... um. But I want to read this quote from Confucius. It's from book two. It's from the Analects, by the way. But it's book two, I guess part four. I don't even know. I don't know what you call it with the Analects. Here's what Confucius says about his own moral development. He says, At 15, I set my mind upon learning. At 30, I took my place in society. At 40, I became free of doubts. At 50, I understood heaven's mandate. At 60, my ear was attuned. And at 70, I could follow my heart's desires without overstepping the bounds of propriety. And a child just started crying outside my window as I said that. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's what you get when you try to do something poignant on the podcast. The cosmos says, "Uh uh-uh. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I was about to go into a whole thing about how that kind of mirrors what I'm talking about. You know, you just need experience to develop. And whether it's coming back to Dubliners or reflecting on your moral, whatever the fuck, you gotta let life shape you. Jeez, I don't know if you guys can hear this kid crying, but I don't know, that kind of kills the mood for me. That's alright though, we don't need vibe, we don't need mood. You guys just got to listen to my words. You're smart. I don't need to go into some long, convoluted explanation of this stuff. You guys are smart. You'll figure it out. So let's do this. Let's let's wrap it there, shall we? Um, let's put a bullet in episode 35, huh? Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, please do on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, and if you're already a fan of the show and you want to help us grow it, please do. Think of one person in your life who you think would like it and share share an episode with them, share your favorite episode with them, and let's build this thing. And if you'd like to take a moment to find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a good review, that would be fucking rad. Give us a five-star review and type a couple sentences about why you listen to the show and what you like about it. Outside of that, stay great, stay safe, stay home for the love of Christ. Don't Don't line up, don't queue up for clam chowder. For the love of goddamn Christ, don't do it. Cook. Try to lose weight or gain weight like I'm doing. But uh, as long as you keep tuning in the podcast, I honestly don't give a fuck what you do. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And ciao for now.